Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm trying to see the people seated in the corners. Okay. We thank God for this uh, beautiful day that he has given to us. Uh, this afternoon, we are going to share and converse on the subject of the truth I know. The truth I know. The truth I know. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor your name. We give you praise for who you are. May your word come forth and build us. May it edify us and lift us from various places that we are. Jehovah, we want to be lifted to a higher rock than we are this afternoon. We give you honor for indeed you are our Father. Holy Spirit, welcome. Speak to us. That single word that you meant for each one of us, let it not pass. Let it be a seed that we land on good soil. Let it grow and be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I've talked about the truth I know. There is the truth you know, there is the truth we know, and there is the truth God knows. Praise the Lord. It is possible that uh, in our lives, each one of us takes a stand on certain matters, especially the issues of faith. And sometimes the stance that we take may be informed by our traditions, our practices, our past experiences. But the biggest question is, does the truth I hold on to conform to the truth of God? That is the question that you must always ask yourself. Sometimes we have got very strong convictions in life and we mistake them to be the truth. These convictions are just based on the things I mentioned earlier. Probably traditions, upbringing, experiences, and they may not be the truth of God. Sometimes our religious organizations have got a very strong influence on the truth that you know. For example, I was made to understand in my earlier days in Christianity the most important thing in the church is to give your offering. It didn't matter even if I was late for the church. As long as I gave my offering, I would have the peace of mind. That was a truth that we held at that time. But nothing can be far from the truth. Praise the Lord. It's good to give offering. It's good to tithe. 
But is that all that matters in my relationship with God? No. It just forms part of the truth I need to know about that relationship. So as we share about the subject, it cannot be exhausted. We'll be scratching on the surface. My, my prayer is that let it spark something in your life, in my life, to reflect over. And as we proceed in our walk with God, we begin to search to discover the deeper truth about him. My role here, and anybody who stands on this pulpit, is not to hold your hand and direct you. Maybe some of you are surprised. Our role is to be signposts to show you the one you need to relate to. And then you as an individual begins to develop your relationship that is unique with him. Then you'll discover more about him. But if you hold on to my shirt, you can only know to the limit I know. You will have put a ceiling in your life. I don't want that to be the case for anybody. Praise the Lord. I want you to go further and deeper and deeper to understand he that has called you to have a relationship with him that goes beyond what you are taught initially. John 8, 38, 32. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. At the time he's uttering these words, a quick background, he has been challenged by the Jews on various fronts. He's trying to make them understand certain things about him. But these Jews had a truth in them, based on the Torah, on what they were taught by their forefathers, and they walked in that truth. They were not wrong, absolutely. They were right to the extent of their knowledge, their background. But they failed to understand another truth, that they were now living in a new dispensation that required a new conversation with their creator. Before, their father spoke to them through the prophets. So what the prophet told them is what they held onto and walked in. But now, the creator is with them, but they have not understood. They still hold onto what they were taught by their forefathers. And so they cannot accept the fact that there is some attempt to change what they already know. And especially when Christ comes to use the word I am. Before Abraham, I am. Oh, 
hell broke loose. Is that what you say? They wanted to finish Christ. Because that phrase, I am, was so sacred to the Jews. Because when it was uttered, it was the I am, the creator, Elohim, who spoke those words. So they revered those words so much, and they were right to do so. They could not stand anybody claiming to be the I am, because it meant lots of things. And so when Christ spoke this, these people did not want to accept that. In fact, they thought he had a demon. And they sought to kill him. So that was a truth. And if you ask them, they will take you to the Old Testament, which forms part of the Torah, I think. And they will show you where God told Moses, I am. So they were right. But they needed to take a new step in their life, in their relationship with their creator to an extent where the revelation of the truth of God will take a new dimension in their lives. A dimension that will transform their lives. Despite the fact that with all evidence of mighty works that Christ was demonstrating in their midst, which spoke greatly of him, these people had a truth that build a wall, they could not, they could see, they could say, yes, we can see he has healed. Yes, we can see he has raised up the dead. But he is not the son of God. That they could not accept. And the misunderstanding or the half-truth they knew was an impediment in their relationship with God. It blocked them from accessing the fullness, the full package that God had given to them through Christ Jesus. Since everybody has a form of truth, and Christ was telling them, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, they were slightly comfortable because they had some form of truth. So they say, okay, our truth will set us free. But Christ did not want to leave them there. In verse 36 of John 8, in verse 36 of John 8, Christ comes and says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. They failed to see the connection of the two verses. The truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So, who is the truth? Praise the Lord. So, he was un unveiling it to them that this truth you are seeking for, it is I, Christ, who is the truth 
the full manifestation of the truth of God. And I have come that you may know him and know him fully, so that you may access the fullness of the package of God in your life. This may be a challenge to us also, but we'll want to see as we proceed. Does it remain a challenge to some of us? Are we readily receptive of God's unpackaging of his truth in our lives? Or we still remain in a place where we say, yes, you have spoken well. You've spoken wisely. We know you did not go to school. You are a son of a carpenter. But you have not spoken what our forefathers said. We may be in the same boat. So these people, if you read the whole passage, they were seeking for evidence. Despite the fact that there was enormous body of evidence in terms of healings, in terms of the blind seeing, in terms of the deaf hearing, in terms of the lame walking, they could not just come to terms to accept this is enough evidence to confirm what Christ was trying to teach them. But one thing I need to point out, the people who had biggest challenge in this understanding were people, the religious leaders. The ones who are seen as knowledgeable in the things of God. The Pharisees, those who see far. Pharisees. But they were seeing very short distance. And then Sadducees. Sadducees. Phrase those two categories were very problematic with the things of God. They could not comprehend. But thank God, there were people who were, not, uh, who were not taken up the half truth and build it as the full truth in their lives, who were seen as the lay. They readily received the truth of the word of God and they benefited in terms of miracles. If you read most of the miracles that Christ performed, was not among the Jews. Praise the Lord. It was among the Gentiles. Samaritans. Praise the Lord. They benefited more. Because they did not come with a preconceived mind. They, did, they came openly to receive what God had for them. Praise the Lord. Will you challenge yourself that what I know is not working for me? I want to know more about him. More of you. I'll sing for you a song one day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The more I want to know, the more I want to know about God. That should be your desire in your heart. Praise the Lord. And when you desire to know about him, it is like taking one step towards him. And our Father will take lots of steps towards you. 
Because he wants to reveal himself to you. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes I'm challenged when I remember we talk of the prodigal son and every time we are talking about the pigs, we are talking about the dirty food. We are but one thing happened in that story that challenges me most. Praise the Lord. The father was always sitting at the, the doorstep. In Oman, you cannot sit because it's too hot. But in India and Kerala, during monsoon, in Africa, you can sit outside your door and look at the gate. He was always sitting there. When will my son come? When will my son come back here? This old man, when he saw the son, he took off from the chair, started running. Praise the Lord. He made the son to understand something. Although I have run away, my father still loves me. The son started explaining many things. Keep quiet. Bring the rope. Daddy, I just want to be... No, keep quiet. Bring the ring. Praise the Lord. He was not caring about what has transpired. All he wanted is to see the son back in the home, the son to benefit from the truth of the family. Praise the Lord. God desires to see you run to him again and say, Father, I want to learn more about you, more about your salvation, more about your healing, more about your gifts. Praise the Lord. That is what God desires to hear from us. He wants to see us make that move. These people in John 5.31, I'm just imagining that John was writing in a chron chronological order, the events. So the events of John 8, I am assuming they came after the events of John 5. That's my assumption. I'm not saying this is the truth. Praise the Lord. Another interaction challenge is going on with the Jews again. And Christ is trying to present himself to them as the gift of God to their lives. But the guys are just dilly-dallying around and trying to challenge. 531, if I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says about me is true. He was referring to the Father. Because Jesus Christ... Everything he did was in conformity with what God was doing. He didn't do anything outside what God wanted him to do. So the fact that God was endorsing everything Christ was doing, it was a confirmation, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Praise the Lord. All these people would say, this is a prophet of God. This is a great man of God. But they did not want to graduate from that and accept him as the package that God has for them, the Son of God. In 33, something is revealed. Even that, they would send also the private eyes 
the investigators to go and inquire from people like John, is this really the Christ? Despite the fact that John the Baptist had testified of Christ, they did not, they continued investigating. 33 says, in fact, you send investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and this testimony about me was true. The testimony of John the Baptist about Christ was true. That was not enough. They were still seeking for the truth. The truth was standing before them, but they were seeking for the truth. And what did they do in verse 39? You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Isn't that what we do? When we feel the truth that we knew is being challenged. Not that anybody is saying it is wrong. But the Spirit is making you understand that this is grade two. You need to go to grade three, grade four, grade five of your faith. Praise the Lord. But we stick to this grade two truth. And we want to reason and solve questions of grade four with the grade two truth. It doesn't work. Praise the Lord. It does not work. The expectations of responses for a grade seven child is of a different level, quality. The expectations are different from that of grade two. It will do you well as a child of God Free yourself and accept that there's a transformation that must take place in your life each passing day. God revealing some truth in your life. You may not be comfortable with it, but that is how he's building you into a stronger child, a stronger Christian than you were yesterday. If everything in your life remains like it was yesterday, you're not growing. Praise the Lord. We need to discover him at a personal level in a new dimension and experience him deeply. So these guys were going to the scriptures and saying, you see, only Moses had I am. Who are you? And when Christ said, before Abraham, I am, things became bad. How? Ayam came after Moses, or after Abraham. Now you are telling us, even before Abraham, Ayam. This was not making sense. But as the few who listened, the few who accepted, the few who accepted the new truth, their lives were being changed each moment. Praise the Lord. John 6, 4. John 6, 4. We see a story. A lady has lost a son. 
sorry, no, that, that's different. Christ has crossed uh, the Sea of Tiber Tiberias or Galilee. And the crowd who are eager to know the truth that Christ has for them are followed. It's a huge crowd confronting Christ. So Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, the area in which they were was quite familiar to Philip, Andrew, and Peter. Because that's where they were caught. Praise the Lord. So Christ was deliberately asking uh, Philip, because he's an area boy, Praise the Lord. He knows how to go about. And because he's an area boy, Philip knew, in this area, if I go looking for food, I cannot get. We need money. These guys, it's loose, they give you food. Praise the Lord. He said, some versions say, even if you got 200 denarii, some versions say, uh, if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Was he saying the wrong thing? Was Philip saying the wrong thing? It was the truth. The crowd was big. And he needed money. So that was truth. But that's the truth as far as he knew that I need money to go and buy food to feed these people. But Christ wanted to open a new chapter in the life of these people. It is not money you need, it is the food you need. How the food comes, those are other processes. Praise the Lord. It is the job you need. It's not your uncle in that office. You will waste so much time looking for your uncle so that your uncle goes to help you. Those of you have been privileged to learn vectors. Why do you take a vector to that place and take another vector back to this stand when you can go straight? Christ is trying to show these people, you have known certain ways of operation, but I want to teach you a noble way of operating in this kingdom. It is not the version that you know. Andrew, uh, Philip, you are okay. You know these things. You need money. But quickly, Andrew was also another area boy. He quickly runs around, he says, we found something, but it's insignificant compared to this crowd. We found five loaves, two fishes. And Christ says, okay, very good, well done. Let the people sit down. This is the biggest challenge you can offer to sisters. When there are visitors around, 
they want to shine when they are serving them. True or false, sisters? This is another truth. Not bad. We want to show our best. So if you told sisters, this crowd is sitting there and you told them, go and serve people. You tell people, wait for your food. And you told these sisters, here are five loaves and two fishes, go and serve. You will be there alone with that plate. None of the sisters wants to go and walk around with less food for visitors. And they're right. But Jesus says, sit down. Have them sit down. Have them prepare for food. And then he goes, he says, Father, I thank you for this food. We want to be blessed as we take. In Jesus' name. And then the food has, it has not piled. It's not a mountain. It's still the same plate. Then he starts giving them. So as they go to distribute, the step they are making is a step of faith. I am trusting your word. I am going to give. And as they come back, they find there's more food. They go and give. They come back, they find more food. They go and give. Praise the Lord. Is that different from that uh, widow who had something just to prepare, eat, and die? It was the truth in her situation. She had only a little oil, a little flour to prepare. If after eating, they would die. They were ready. Some of us, when we hear death. But these two, they were ready for death. But they had a revelation at that time. That things don't just operate by the physical, in the physical way. They went, she went, prepared and brought. And the man of God, just go and gather everything. If it was in my village, all the plastic containers would be in the house of that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All the plastic containers would be in the house of that woman with oil, 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 oil. She discovered something. There is a dimension of truth beyond what I see with my eyes. That dimension, I need to access it. It speaks negative. The dimension of my physical, the physical dimension speaks negative always. It tries to discourage me from accessing what God has in store for me. But the spiritual dimension overrides all that. Takes me to a new level where I begin to access the storehouse of God. The doors are open. The windows of heaven are open. And now it is up to me to receive as much as I can. Praise the Lord. That is the dimension that Christ was trying to bring these people to. Allow the truth of God to set you free in times of pressure. Praise the Lord. When things are overwhelming in your life, the man who speaks to you has a good understanding. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes when we stand here and we speak about some things, people say, ah, those ones don't experience, they just speak. One day you will hear my story and then you will hear, you know. Praise the Lord. But if I tell you my story, you'll be scared. That's why I keep it to myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God will 
usher you into a realm where you begin to access his storehouse in your own unique way, as long as you are willing to accept the truth about him, that he's all able, he's able to deliver that which he has promised to deliver. I don't know what kind of situation you are facing. As I told you, humanly speaking, if you saw a huge crowd coming to your home, your mind will start rushing. If they are coming around 4 o'clock, you can say now, after one hour, you can say, ladies and gentlemen, I think we need some family time. So if you can excuse us, if you come tomorrow, probably another day, early enough, we can have time to sit together. But that will be a clever way of telling them, please, find a way out of this place before you starve. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I don't know in our midst, in your own life, that those situations that look overwhelming, but let's look at the example of Christ. He did not panic. He told the people, sit. I'll take care of you. He prepared them. And he started breaking the little he had with thanksgiving to the Father. And because he knew the source is the Father, not the money, the food started multiplying itself miraculously. Testimonies abound in our midst and in the household of faith where people have started in a small way and as they have taken one step after the other, a step of faith, God has continued to multiply and to open doors that were not known to them. Praise the Lord. I know you are sitting somewhere, you want to see where you are and you want to see how you reach the end. It doesn't work like that in terms of faith. Praise the Lord. You are a family of faith. There is a servant of God, David Hernandez. I like listening to him. He said, when he started his ministry, it started doing very well financially. And it reached a time, all they were doing is to sit in meetings and plan how programs are going to run. Never making reference to God because they knew the account was fat. Their truth, it was true, the account was good. But they had failed to understand the source of the power is not in that account. And one day the father talked to him and he said, David, your ministry is a ministry of faith. If at any time in your life you are not obligated to exercise faith and you depend on what you have in the pocket, the ministry is failing. Where is the faith you are exercising? Sometimes you find yourself in those situations not because of anything wrong you have done. Circumstances have brought you in that situation. God wants to open a new door in your life. He wants you to understand him in a better way than you have done before. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. John 14, 6. 
We can talk of other people, but look at these disciples. They have walked with Christ for a long time. They have seen him perform miracles. They have seen him, the hand of God, work powerfully. Now he's telling them, you know, actually, if you listen to that conversation, Christ is kind of preparing them because he's about to leave. So he's telling them how he's going to prepare a place for them. They should not worry. If it is a lesson I'm teaching, now I'm in the summary. Praise the Lord. I know I have taught these things, these people have understood. Now I am summarizing and concluding the lesson. But the worst thing for a teacher when you are concluding the lesson, <laughs> and then one student carries up the hand and says, Sir, he says, okay, what's the problem? I don't understand. Sometimes you are taken back and say, okay. Because of professionalism, you don't, see, you don't show anger on your face. Okay, John, what don't you understand? Everything. <laughs> I've been teaching this thing for three days. Now you are telling me everything you have not... Where do I get three days now to teach you again? So Christ has been teaching them, and he tells them that he wants to go to the Father. And in verse 5, he says, no, we don't know, Lord. He says, I have, I'm going to the Father and all that. And Thomas says, we don't know. All these things you are telling us, we don't know. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? I thought I've been explaining the way all these days. Now you're telling me, how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is the reason why the devil wouldn't want you to know the truth. This is the reason why. Verse 12. Verse 12. The reason why he steals the truth that God is giving you is in verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Now, if the devil has suffered so much with the few demonstrated healings that Christ has done, would he be willing to see greater works. Tell me. If you are playing football and the team is already beating you 3-0 and on the bench there is Messi, there is Ronaldo and you see them warming up on the sideline. Are you going to have peace? Maybe some of us don't understand. <laughs> Tandaluka is still outside there. And they have fielded just a second string team. And they have really hammered you. I don't know whether you call them wickets or whatever. They have got several of them. And then you see Tandaluka now warming up there. Your prayer is, God, why can't he just get injured at that time? <laughs> because you know now it's going to be a massacre, isn't it? 
So the devil does not want you to do the same things Christ did and to do greater things. So he doesn't want you to know the truth. Praise the Lord. And that is why he tells you, no, what you know is enough. Why are you troubling yourself? What you know is enough. Try to work out with whatever you know. Because he knows you can easily embarrass him. Praise the Lord. And that's what we have been called, to embarrass him the more. So the secret of keeping him at bay is for you to dig your head deeper, your faith deeper in the truth of God, and as he reveals something to you, you put it to practice. You put it to action. And the devil begins to realize this one now, I better leave him alone. I better leave him alone. If I trouble him, it will just be a motivation for him to get more of this understanding. Examples of people in the past that have gone deeper to understand the truth and God has lifted them. Abraham, Genesis 22, verse 7. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham, I don't want to say this was written, but I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in the place of Abraham. I'm sure he feared and wanted God to intervene. But he still obeyed and acted on the truth that God had told him. Go and sacrifice your son. But Abraham was very clever. He was very clever. When the son asked him this, you know what he said? He did not say God has a sacrifice. Abraham was very clever. He said, God will provide a lamp. Your confession, the confession of your mouth will set you free in those tough moments. Praise the Lord. Abraham said, God will provide a lamp. He did not say God will provide a son. So he had already tied God. He said, and God said, this my friend is difficult to handle. But he kept quiet. They went and God let him. He said, is he really serious? And God was just celebrating as he watched. Two days after. Why he gave him two days? Because over that period you can, re, you can change your mind and say, I think maybe I did not hear well. But he went and reached the place. And he tied the feet of the, the son. In obedience with what God was saying. He was waiting to hear the voice of God. Not what he knew. Abraham would have tied the hand of the child and run around, run around, found a wild goat somewhere and said, God, I've got a substitute, a substitute and slaughters. But he said, no, the plan of God is not this one, it is this. He waited and went for the knife. When he was just about, then God emerged, say, for now I know, I truly know, you have faith in me. Why are you at that brink? Of situation in your life now. God wants to say these words. For now I know, Kenneth, you truly believe me. Praise the Lord. He wants to say those words to you. Circumstances may be overwhelming, 
Situations may be severe, but God will see you through. Will God say the same about you? For now I know you truly. You truly trust in my providence, healing, uplifting, change of job. Because those could be the issues that you are facing now. Would God see you wait upon him until the last moment for you to prove that you truly believe in him? Or you look for an alternative? Verse 14, Abraham comes up and he creates a new name for God and he says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. What name are you going to create for God in your situation? I was interacting with some sisters and they were saying, <laughs> God more than enough. These are the names they were thinking of calling God more than enough. Another one was said on this pl- platform, more than is God abundance or something. You can create your own name with God because of your relationship with him. Praise the Lord. Because of where he will have lifted you from. I want to stop at a half past, so I'll go very fast in these five minutes. Praise the Lord. Luke 7. There's a funeral procession. A woman has lost the son. And the professional mourners are ready to cry. If you come from the areas I was born, the people, if you have a funeral in the home, when they reach the gate, they wail very loudly. Actually, you feel, hey, these people have been touched. They go to the coffin, they wail, wail, and five minutes after, if you follow them to the dining place, they are smiling and laughing with a cup of tea. Was this person really serious? (laughs) Occasionally, they will ask you, is there food in this home? So they were professional mourners in this congregation. They were ready to wail. Christ disappointed them. But if they are professional, they will still wail. He touches the pyre. The son wakes up, and he hands over the son to their mother. The truth, the boy was dead. The truth, he was going to be buried. That's a fact. But there was another truth that walked into the situation. The truth of God, Jesus Christ. He turned everything upside down. Praise the Lord. He healed and delivered the boy to the mother whole and well. Christ will change your situation, whichever, whatever the case it may be. He will turn it around. Praise the Lord. And you will be well. Praise the Lord. Lazarus, four days are gone. Lazarus is in the grave and is about, is, is rotting. Martha has given up. Mary has given up. Why do I say so? Because when Christ appears on the scene, the question they ask, and they had been discussing with the family, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha asked this, Mary also asked the same question, which means the family was, is this Christ really serious? Is he genuine? He has been our friend. He has healed other people. But our brother is dead, and he has left us this way. Now we have buried him. It can't be possible. Your situation may be on the extreme end. 
but Christ will walk into the situation and he will resurrect the situation. Praise the Lord. It is well, my brother. It is well, my sister. All will be well. All will be well. As I finalize, as we know the good truth, there is also the wrong truth. We must avoid. Praise the Lord. There is also a wrong truth that we must avoid. And I've been mentioning it in passing. <clears throat> Peter is in the prison. The angel comes to set him free. <clears throat> but for a while, Peter is dazed. He's, he's like in a dreamland. He doesn't understand this new unveiling of a new truth in his life. The chains are broken, but he thinks he's dreaming. He's walking dazed through the gate, through the squads that have been erected up to the city. The angel realizes this man, if I continue walking with him, he will not understand what is happening. He disappears, and Peter is left there. Then his eyes are opened. But the people who are praying, they were also praying, but questioning, is this going to be possible? Because when he comes to knock on the door where they are praying, Rhoda comes and sees him and she closes the door and runs to tell them. And they are questioning, are you telling us the truth? It cannot be. It's not possible. Maybe you have been praying over a situation and you are just seeing impossibility being written before you. It is possible in the sight of God. Praise the Lord. May God bless you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll be blessed. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm blessed to be in the house of God. Our brother was leading us today about the truth that we know. And he was leading us, giving us the example of what happened when Jesus broke bread. The one who broke bread is the one who's prepared a banquet for you and me. Amen. He said, I have gone, I go to prepare a place for you. The truth is, he's gone ahead of you and me to prepare a banquet for you and me. Are we ready? Are we ready? Let's open our Bibles. May we not be restricted by the truth that we know. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, before we pray. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. The knowledge of whatever he has had till this point of time Paul is saying, I count them rubbish because I want to gain 
the one who is truth. Truth is not a set of facts. Truth is a person, just as our brother was exhorting here today. And he is available for you and I to set us free. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. The truth of God is able to resurrect. Today, you are here and your, your hopes are fading. Or the knowledge of whatever you have known thus far has not taken you anywhere. I want you to all eyes bowed, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you want to know this God all the more, if you want to surrender your life once again to know him, to know him, just as Paul said, that I may gain him. You can raise up your hand. If you have found yourself at the edge and you are saying, Lord, I have been laboring thus far, but I'm not getting anywhere. I want to know you more. What I have known thus far has not taken me anywhere. I find myself in the place of stagnancy. I want to know you more. Lord, set me free today once again. Set me free today once again. And he is able to resurrect. The truth of God is able to resurrect everything in your life so that you will gain him. Father, I thank you, Lord God, once again for this day. Father, you are God who sent your one and only Son. The only begotten Son you sent so that we will know him. We will know him. You did not withhold him for us, O Lord God, but you sent him so that we may know him. And Lord, you have given us an opportunity to know him through your word and through your spirit in us. Father, that which has held us back till this point of time, as we have come into your presence tonight, you are the God who sets us free. Your Son sets us free, and we are free indeed. Today, O oh Lord God, as we are in your presence, if there are things that are holding us back from knowing you, from knowing you in a new dimension, Lord God, today, once again, set us free in the name of Jesus. Resurrect us, O Lord God, in the places, O Lord God, where we have been dead. Where our hopes have crashed, where our, our expectations have failed. Resurrect us once again in the name of Jesus, that we may know you and that we may know the power of your resurrection in our lives yet again. In the name of Jesus, we offer ourselves once again to you that you may take us, you may fill us, you may use us for your glory once again. In Jesus' mighty name, we have asked and we have prayed. Amen and amen. Let's share the grace. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.
God bless you.